Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 3rd through the 9th, and we are going to be in chapters in Genesis and Moses and Abraham. And for this week, we're going to be talking about the creation, the creation story, how everything went down, <laughs> how the earth was created by Jesus Christ through the direction of our Heavenly Father. So the light and the darkness was divided, the water receded, and there was land, plants, animals, and then of course the crowning creation of man. Now this idea of the creation story, there is an argument surrounding it on whether it was meant to be historical or symbolic, right? And there are people on both sides of the spectrum that have really, really strong opinions about whether it was meant to be historical or just symbolic, like the parable. However, Heavenly Father has not chosen to reveal to what extent this story is historical, right? He has never made a statement on it, at least that I know of. <laughs> but even if it was a completely historical account, there are always lessons that we can pull in an allegorical sense, right? So true stories about the history of the saints, true stories about Christ's life, we can take lessons, we can turn those true stories into into principles, into parables. And it's the same with the creation story. There are lessons here and things that can be taken as symbols that we can apply in our own life today. So what I want to do is I want to tell a very specific part of the creation and then I want to talk about some of the symbolism and its relevance to us today. So creation story. We're going to start where the earth has already been created. It is totally ready for Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father to come and create man and woman and to place them in the garden. Everything is literally perfect, right? <laughs> there is no sin, no tragedy, there's no death. Everything gets along, everybody gets along, all the animals. It's literally perfect, <laughs> okay? Totally perfect and ready for Adam and Eve to come. Adam and Eve come, they are commanded to have children and to take care of this place that they've been given. Satan comes in, he tempts them, they partake of the forbidden fruit, and when Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ come back, they try to hide themselves because they didn't do what was right. <laughs> and Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ find them and they're like, what did you do? They admit it, the fall happens, sin, trials, death, knowledge, happiness, all these things have now entered into the earth because of the fall. Now, there's a verse that I want to center my allegory on, if you will. So this is Moses, and it's chapter 3, and it is verse 25. And it says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, naked, right? <laughs> Interesting that this is the verse that I want to pull my lesson out of, but it is. There is a symbolic lesson here with this idea of being naked. So what are some of the clues that we see? When you're naked, <laughs> you are not covered by anything, right? Everything is shown. There's no clothes to hide behind. There's nothing covering. Everything is known, right? And it kind of makes sense when you look at the context of the verse as well. So Adam and Eve, they lived in a perfect world. They were perfect. They were completely innocent, hadn't done anything wrong. And they weren't ashamed. They were very willing to stand in the presence of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. It was only after that 
after they sinned and they wanted to hide it and they wanted to cover it, that they suddenly realized that they were naked and they, they wanted to hide, they wanted clothes, they wanted to, to not be seen. There's another verse about that. So Moses 4, and it's verse 13 through 14. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they had been naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God as they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife went to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So after they had sinned, like I said, they didn't want to be naked anymore. They were ashamed. They wanted to hide things. Now, there's two implications that come from this idea of how open we are, like how uncovered things are. The first one is human nature. As soon as Adam and Eve did something wrong, their first instinct was to hide and cover it. They didn't want to be found out. And we have all felt that. Every last one of us on this earth has felt that. We've done something wrong and we really don't care to be found out. But the other implication is far more important and it is the implication that we can apply in our lives right now. There's a couple verses that can help us understand where I'm trying to go with this. So this is 2 Nephi chapter 9 and it is verse 14. And it's actually a verse that was in the footnotes of one of the verses I just read Moses. So it says, Wherefore, we shall have a perfect knowledge of all our guilt and our uncleanness and our nakedness, and the righteous shall have a perfect knowledge of their enjoyment and their righteousness being clothed with purity, yea, even with the robe of righteousness. One more verse. Bear with me. So this is Luke chapter 12. It is verse 2 through 3. It says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. There's going to come a day when, in our futures, everybody's futures, when we will be naked, when who we really are will be laid bare for everyone to know. All the way deep down, people are going to know if you have these deep, dark secrets that you're trying to hide from people or these, not even just these actions that have been done in darkness and wickedness, but your innermost feelings, who you really, really are, is going to be laid bare. Now, the logistics, logistics of this, we don't really fully comprehend, right? <laughs> We don't know if we're going to be able to read each other's thoughts or if by the power of the spirit, we are just going to be able to more readily recognize and perceive people. Don't know the logistics of it. But from these verses, we learn that there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. There's nothing spoken quietly, even quietly within yourself that will not be shouted upon the rooftops. We will be laid bare for everybody to know. Now, why does this matter? <laughs> It matters because it helps us know what life is going to be like on the other side. It, and when we know what life is like on the other side, it will drastically change how we live our lives on this side. So let's talk about a little bit of specifics. Joseph Smith taught that the same sociality that exists here in our world exists on the other side. Only on the other side, it's going to be coupled with eternal glory. So your relationships, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about other people, camaraderie or enemies, whatever you want, whatever is present in your life, the same sociality that exists here will exist there. 
So I want you to imagine yourself. You are in a giant big room with all of the people in your ward. Everybody's there. There are people that you have served with, people that you have served, people who have served you. There's people that you absolutely admire and respect and you look to be like them. There's people that you look down on. They're everybody, right? Everybody's there. And all of a sudden, everybody knows each other's thoughts <laughs> and everybody is laid bare. You know exactly how everybody feels about you. You know exactly how you feel about everybody else. <laughs> Does that idea make you uncomfortable at all? Are you ashamed of any feelings that you might be harbor harboring towards people around you, right? Is there anything that you would desperately be seeking to cover, <laughs> to hide from other people? Is there anyone that you want to avoid because you have been harboring negative feelings and you don't really want them to know? Is there anyone that you would be avoiding because even though you were serving them on this side, you were also scoffing at them and their inability to get their life together? Is there anyone you would be avoiding because you weren't actually sustaining them? You didn't really sustain them in their callings, really. You were just frustrated with them the entire time. So this idea of Zion and the celestial kingdom and heaven and the other side, it is very... I believe that it's a lot more similar to here than we think it is, right? We're going to still be progressing. We're not going to automatically be perfect on the other side. We're still going to have to be working through things. Who are we going to be around? It's going to be the same people you're around here, right? It's going to be the same people, right? If we were called to Zion tomorrow and Zion was is basically just meant to be like the celestial kingdom minus the eternal glory. If we were called design tomorrow, you'd still be around members in your ward, okay? When we all die, we're still going to be around members in our ward. It's the same exact people, the same exact feelings and histories and, and all of your own flaws and history. You will be around the people that you take the sacrament with, that you go to Sunday school with. Now, how do we feel comfortable in that environment? When we get to the other side and everything about who we are is laid bare and everything about everybody else is laid bare, how can we be comfortable in that environment? Because <laughs> even though I am working to try to be a better person and I am working to love other people, I am still immensely flawed. And there are a lot of things that, I mean, thoughts that just automatically come to my head that I don't really want displayed for everybody to know. That sounds terrible. So how do we get to a point where we would be comfortable in that environment? And it's very simple. <laughs> Without charity, you are nothing. It is to love, to sincerely love people, right? It's not enough to clean someone's house. It's not enough to take somebody a meal. It's not enough to send a Christmas card to pat them on the back. You have to sincerely love them because they will be able to feel how you feel about them. You have to learn to love them or you will be immensely uncomfortable on the other side. You will hope that rocks fall on you, right? There's a verse that's like, you would fain be glad if all the ro if the rocks would cover you up. And so specifics again, I really like specifics. Love the person in your ward who 
had a really tragic upbringing and really can't get it together, who seems to be the drain on the ward, right? The person that everybody is always trying to help. Love that person. Really love them. Don't just go help them. You have to learn to love them. Pray to see them clearly. Pray to have charity for them. And I promise you that Heavenly Father will open your eyes and you'll see that these tiny little steps that they're taking or these seemingly tiny efforts are mountains. And you will be in awe of their tenacity and you will be inspired by their divinity, right? Love the member who seems a little too excited to have a leadership calling, right? Perhaps there is a little bit of self-righteousness there, but they're growing just like you, right? Their eyes haven't been fully opened. <laughs> and I would bet you that on the other side, when they clearly see themselves, they're going to change really fast. Love the member who has an opinion that's particularly loud or abrasive. Love the member, <laughs> love the frazzled mother with the wild children. <laughs> love those members in your ward that are part of a clique and none of them seem to like to look up and notice anybody else who could use a friend. Love the member who still gets mad at anybody who drinks caffeine, <laughs> right? Love people because there are a lot of people in your ward with flaws and baggage and histories and victories, triumphs, trials. There are people who are ignorant of their own flaws love them, learn to love them, <laughs> sincerely love them because they will know how you feel about them. And heaven won't be comfortable if they suddenly become perfect. Heaven will be comfortable because you have come to sincerely love them to the point where your immediate thoughts aren't critical and your immediate thoughts aren't scoffing and looking down on them. Your immediate thoughts are respect for them respect for the battles that they've won in their life. And <laughs> you won't be ashamed of your thoughts when you sincerely love people. Love them because you are them, <laughs> right? You do not always have it together. You often look down on people. You don't always recognize your own flaws. And it's human nature to recognize flaws, right? <laughs> I feel like that was actually kind of a defense mechanism, Heavenly Father. <laughs> you got to know who to trust because not everyone you can trust in this life to have your best interests at heart, right? It's human nature to recognize, recognize flaws and to see them. And I think it would be foolish to try and get rid of that, right? When we love someone the way that Christ loves them, it doesn't mean that you don't recognize their frailties and their their flaws, right? Christ recognized the flaws of other people. It doesn't mean you have to turn a blind eye to things that aren't necessarily right yet. Loving people the way that Christ loved them, loved them means having compassion for them in their flaws. It means recognizing their flaws and being so excited about who they're going to become. It means not letting it rub you wrong. <laughs> it means recognizing your own flaws. When you recognize your own flaws, it's a lot easier to deal with other people's. 
And this is not, you can't become this kind of person overnight, right? I can't wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden I love everybody and my thoughts are all, I am very ready for my thoughts to be known by everybody, right? It will come as you serve people without speaking badly about them. It will come as you pray for charity. Sincerely, really hardcore pray for charity. It will come as you pray to see them the way that Heavenly Father sees them. When you pray to see people the way that Heavenly Father sees them, when you see their stories, when you see the situations that they are pushed into, the choices they had to make, you will not be able to help but love them. You won't be able to help it. Pray. There will come a time when everything about who you are, your thoughts, is laid bare. And whether or not you love someone, love the people around you sincerely, will be the determining factor on whether you are ashamed and want to cover yourself or whether you feel comfortable in heaven. I'm grateful for my Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves me, who has my back and is willing <laughs> to let me change. I'm grateful that he opens my eyes to my own flaws, that help that he helps me recognize and have compassion for others and that I can pray to him to help me love other people. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.